Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to September, September 2022. I know it's been a long year, but we are moving along well at CTSS. Hopefully you enjoyed many of our new uh, applications and many of the new content we're providing. And here we're providing September 2022, 10 excellent cases for your satisfaction. So without further ado, let me get started. The best diagnosis in this case is well, what am I looking at? I'm looking at hypovascular enlarged bilobed adrenal masses. Now, what could this be? Well, there's no doubt you could think about metastasis from the kidney. It could be bilateral adenomas, could be bilateral pheochromocytomas, or could be bilateral lymphoma. So all of these can have bilateral lesions. But when you look at it, and let's go through the simple things, pheos tend to be vascular, Occasionally, they're cystic, but not solid masses. These don't have the look of adenomas. The borders aren't sharp, and they're lobulated. Metastatic renal cell typically is also going to be vascular. This is more classic for lymphoma. Bulky masses in the adrenal glands. It can be primary adrenal lymphoma, which is often larger, or it can be part of multi-organ involvement. I don't see much else on these two images, but this was lymphoma. The most likely diagnosis in this case is, well, first let's look at what's not there. You'll notice you don't see the left kidney and what you see is bowel falling in the left renal fossa. You then see a vascular mass in the head of the pancreas. That means it could be a neuroendocrine tumor, but in the presence of an absent kidney, you're gonna be thinking about metastatic renal cell. And then if you look at the right paraspinal muscles, you see a hypervascular two centimeter mass. What gives you masses in muscle? It could be lymphoma, but they're hypovascular. It could be sarcomas, but now you gotta say, do you have two diseases? Or it could be metastatic renal cell, which commonly goes to muscle, particularly abdominal wall and paraspinal regions, and is vascular. So lymphoma is not a good thought here because of the vascularity. Neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas is a good thought for the pancreas, but not for the paraspinal muscle. And then you would need to explain the left kidney's absence. Breast cancer can involve pancreas and can involve kidney and can involve muscle, but typically hypovascular. The best diagnosis in this case was metastatic renal cell carcinoma. And this patient had a clear cell renal cell carcinoma previously, which now recurred. The most likely diagnosis in this case is well, what am I looking at? I'm seeing a calcified mass in the root of the mesentery. There's a little bit, but not much desmoplastic reaction, and nearly the entire lesion is calcified. If you say to me, calcified lesions in the mesentery, carcinoid tumor is a very good one, but there you see 70% calcify, but the issue is the calcification is not the whole tumor. This calcification's in the tumor. There's also more of a desmoplastic reaction with carcinoid. So that makes it less likely. Lymphoma, you can have masses in the mesentery, obviously, and they can calcify, but that's typically after the patient has had radiation therapy. So that's not really going to be the case here. So there's no radiation therapy signs here. And TB can give you calcifications of nodes in the mesentery. Uh, so it's a thought process, but there's nothing else here that makes you think about TB, and that's exceedingly rare. The most likely diagnosis is sclerosing mesenteritis. It's an important diagnosis because then it's a benign process which requires no therapy. 
Other times you end up chasing, could it be carcinoid? Could it be lymphoma? Could it be TB? This was sclerosing mesenteritis. Just a beautiful, a beautiful example. In this febrile patient, the best diagnosis is, you see a cystic lesion in the right lobe of the liver with a rim enhancement. And although it could be metastatic disease, occasionally things like gist tumors or ovarian cancer give you cystic lesions, but not quite that type of rim. It's not a biloma look. It's not a look of an infarct, which is more wedge-shaped. Mets is a possibility, I can't exclude that, but the typical appearance where the uh, cystic irregular rim around the lesion is cystic is an abscess. The most common abscess right lobe of the liver in a patient without surgery is gonna be an amoebic abscess. And this is the classic CT appearance of an amoebic abscess. The most likely diagnosis in this case is, well, I see a mass that looks vascular, particularly on the coronal volume rendered views. And the question is, is this pancreatic? Or is it from the duodenum? Or is it between the duodenum and the pancreas? Now, lymphoma is not gonna be vascular, so that's not gonna be a good diagnosis. And adenocarcinoma typically is infiltrating in hypovascular of the duodenum, so it's not gonna be a good choice. Neuroendocrine tumors, peanut of the pancreas is a great choice, and so is gist tumor. But if you look at the epicenter here, it's away from the pancreas, it's more the duodenum. If this was in between the duodenum and the pancreas, you could think about a gastronoma. That's that gastronoma triangle. So that's indeed a possibility. But the best diagnosis here would be a gist tumor of the duodenum, vascular and exophytic. It's a very difficult diagnosis when you looked at all 3,000 images in the 3Ds. It's particularly difficult when I give you but two images. But get over it. It's a great case, nevertheless. The least likely diagnosis in this case well, what am I looking at? I'm looking at an infiltrating tumor. Let's look by the left kidney, infiltrating the kidney and peri and pararenal space and also extending to involve the spleen. When I look at the images on the right side, you also see involvement of the peri and pararenal space by the right kidney. So what things involve both kidneys, particularly peri and pararenal space? Lymphoma is probably the best bet, and in fact, this was lymphoma, usually B-cell lymphoma. Metastatic melanoma can look like lymphoma. Perirenal space involvement is common. Infiltration involving kidney and spleen, not uncommon. So that's a possibility. Extramedullary hematopoiesis is kind of a tough call. You can occasionally see it infiltrating the peri and pararenal space. It's kind of an iffy diagnosis. I would not really probably put that in my differential when I started looking at splenic involvement. But TB is the least likely diagnosis because TB involves the kidney, involves the ureter, small kidney calcifications, narrowing of the ureter. It doesn't involve the peri and pararenal space. So the least likely diagnosis in this case is going to be TB. In this patient with a GI bleed, the best diagnosis is what a wonderful, wonderful case. You can see, and let's just look at the patient's transverse colon. There's infiltration of the transverse colon seen. You can see that very nicely here uh, on both the coronal views and on the cinematic rendering. Just a beautiful, beautiful example. You also see some diseased bowel in the sigmoid colon down in the pelvis. The um, lymphoma, I guess you could think about lymphoma, but it's a pretty long area of involvement. And in the cinematic, there's lots of infiltration and ulceration. 
Colon cancer, again, usually not infiltrative. C. diff colitis can involve long areas of bowel, but the wall thickening usually is more of a accordion type appearance. The most likely diagnosis here is ulcerative colitis, diffuse infiltration of the colon, multiple areas involvement, and multiple ulcerations. A beautiful example of ulcerative colitis. In this patient post Whipple's procedure, what's the best diagnosis? Now, if you look at the list, all of them are complications post Whipple's GDA pseudoaneurysm. We also see splenic artery and hepatic artery pseudoaneurysms, post op abscess, particularly by the surgical bed. Um, lymphoma, I don't know where that comes in, but that's going to be very unlikely. Uh, but we, what we see here is a big spleen and low density, this is splenic infarction. I gave lymphoma as one of the selections in case you looked quickly and only looked at the spleen and said, aha, there's infiltration of the spleen. But here there's global infiltration, the spleen is low density, beautiful example of splenic infarction as a complication post-Whipple's procedure. The gastric mass in this case is most likely a little under two centimeter mass by the greater curvature of the stomach near the body, it's hypervascular. What gives you hypervascular gastric lesions? Well, you can say ectopic pancreas, that's a good thought, but usually that's in the antrum. Obviously, it's not a gastric lipoma. Lymphomas can be in the stomach, obviously, but they're bulkier and they're relatively hypovascular. The classic lesion that occurs in the stomach would be several. One is a glomus tumor, but there's some mucosal, and I didn't give you that choice. The other is a carcinoid tumor. You can see single carcinoids, as in this case. You can see multiple carcinoid tumors in patients with gastrinoma. So just a beautiful example of a carcinoid tumor. The most likely diagnosis in this case, large mass, relatively modeled in attenuation, low density, really comes from the posterior retroperitoneum. Lymphoma is a thought, anything in the mesentery or retroperitoneum, but it's too round and you only see one mass. A gist tumor, you can say, well, maybe it's coming off bowel, but I really don't see any bowel communication. And carcinoids usually are irregular. They have desmoplastic reaction. They're not so perfectly round. When you have a mass which extends from the retroperitoneum, extending toward mesentery, displacing but not invading, Anything posteriorly, you've got to think about neurogenic type tumors, and this was a classic example of a schwannoma. With that, I've given you 10 terrific cases. I hope you enjoyed taking the quiz. I hope you learned something, and with that, I'll see you later. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.